Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Ma, right here on your community radio station. We're WFMP Louisville broadcasting here from the historic Hayburn Building at 106.5 FM. You can also live stream us anywhere you are in the world at forwardradio.org. And while you're there, why don't you get involved in the station? This is the People's Radio, and we want you to be some of the people behind the microphones or behind the scenes. It's all run with volunteer power here at Forward Radio. You can click Participate and pitch us a show today and we also need you to pitch us a few dollars we're an entirely listener-sponsored community station so if you like what you're hearing if you don't hear it anywhere else chip in a few bucks today at forwardradio.org well, what we do each week here on Sustainability Now is bring in folks from around the community who are doing the good work of sustainability. And every now and then, I'm delighted to bring in a student from U of L and pick their brain a little. And today, I've got in the studio with me Keon Ferris. He's a senior sustainability major. Welcome, Keon. Thank you for having me on the show. We've been talking about doing this for a while. It's good to have you on. I'm excited to hear about your ideas because you're thinking of maybe getting into the whole podcasting world. It's awesome, man. Definitely. Uh, so before, tell us about your, your background, who you are, and how you got into sustainability. So um, just to go all the way back, I was <laughs> born in Indianapolis, and I moved down to Louisville when I was relatively young and was raised in the area. I ended up going to Manual High School here in Louisville, oh, and yeah. that's what kind of get me started with the science field and science technology. After that, I ended up going to University of Cincinnati. At first, I was doing mechanical engineering because I wanted to do the renewable energy space. Oh, yeah. 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 And so uh, after I w did a stint at University of Cincinnati, I ended up coming to L because I saw they had a sustainability program and speed school. So I did speed school for a while. The pandemic hit. And then, <laughs> you know, it was a little bit more difficult to do Calc 3 online than in person. I can imagine. Exactly. So um, <laughs> I saw that there were other majors that were less intensive, but more in depth in the field that I wanted to be in. So I found sustainability as a bachelor's degree. And Went with that and took the Sustainable Societies track, and now I'm here. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad that UofL is able to provide like a plan B for folks like you who are like overwhelmed by this too much engineering or couldn't do it online. Like I get that. Uh, but what got you excited about renewable energy? So when my dad asked me what the future holds, I always thought about renewable energy being that answer because uh, I always drove through Indiana and I saw, you know, wind yeah, farms, right. solar panels and, and just renewable energy all the way through the state. And you can see it as you take road trips across the country that there's wind farms and solar panels all over the place. And so I thought that that would just expand because it's needed because we have to move forward from, you know, age old practices of fossil fuels and things that are hurting the environment in general. Well, there's a story right there to prove my point. I'm always telling U of L, stop hiding your sustainability. Like we we install solar panels so nobody can see them, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but look what just seeing the the windmills in Indiana, the solar panels in Indiana, opens up the mind to thinking differently, right? Definitely, right. I mean, just because like seeing them in such a big format and just being able to be in awe as a kid and watching a big propeller on a wind farm being operated and just seeing that it just amazed me. And I was very curious because I was already yeah. into science. I'd done uh, robotics projects with my dad before, and so I did like a hydroelectric car when I was very young. So wow. yeah, it was something very neat to see how you could power a car with hydro. And then ever since then, I was fascinated with like renewable, 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 and how we could use it for everything from A to Z. And what what is there a new renewable that hasn't been discovered yet? And things of that nature. And just thinking about that, it's always just been in my mind. Yeah. 
Well, and I'm, I'm sure as you've learned more about sustainability, it's become clear to me that the real barrier to us adopting renewables is not a technological question, right? Like right. we've had the technology for a while. It's just a political, it's an economic thing. We're not investing in renewables as we ought to be if we really want to address this global climate crisis, right? And it's a young person. I know you you must be frustrated by this. <laughs> no, I definitely am. And that's why that's another reason why I want to get into major because I've always been business minded. And I think that businesses are one of the key solutions to get in the world on a sustainable track, because if the corporations adopt sustainable practices, then uh, us as consumers have to kind of adopt that practice as well, because they're very influential on how we live our lives. That's a good point, too. Yeah. And, and now you're getting some experience with that at Schneider Electric, right? You want to tell me about that? Definitely. So I just started a, as a NEO Special Projects intern. A NEO stands for New Energy Operations and Opportunities. Huh. And so basically, we just, you know, help solution providers that are doing things like green hydrogen, solar panels, wind farms, carbon offsets, wrecks, and things of that nature with corporations, big corporations that just want to reach carbon neutrality goals and net zero or carbon negative goals within, you know, the 2050 range and trying to be on track with science-based targets and things of that nature. Wow. Well, that's got to be encouraging work to see that there are companies that have committed to this and really want to do it. And aren't sure how, right? And that's where you come in? Definitely. We just connect them together and make a deal possible, uh, serving the corporation side more so than uh, anything, but just being able to have a platform where they can come together and create a solution. Yeah. And Schneider Electric, I've heard quite a bit about it because of their sustainability practices, but I don't know that much about the company. Is it a national company based here in Louisville? Is that how it works? So it is an international company. An international It's company. based out of Paris, France. They just acquired the Louisville branch not too long ago. It okay. was Summit Energy, and uh, it was doing something that you know Schneider Electric was interested in, so they acquired that. And uh, now they branched out to, they have a Louisville location. They also have a location in Boulder, Colorado as well. So they are uh, expanding their reach and making sure their presence is known as a solution provider and helping corporations get to where they want to go. So I like it a lot. Specifically around energy issues. So do they do things like energy efficiency as well as renewables? They definitely do do energy efficiency to just help with scope one emissions. Okay. Um, Because as you know, you know, there's scope one, two, and three. So um, scope one emissions where Schneider Electric comes in directly to clients uh, as in corporations with helping with energy management, energy solutions, and then just software and everything just used to help with emissions on scope one. And then um, as like a, I guess a third party, I could say with scope two and three, they just match them with solution developers that have projects that are broader than what Schneider Electric offers themselves. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When I think about those scope one emissions, so for for listeners who don't are familiar with carbon reporting, that, that's the emissions from the fossil fuels you're burning right on site. So your own business, if you're maybe got a gas kiln or something like that, like those emissions would be your scope one. And I can imagine that seems like a little more challenge to, to address, although through efficiency, obviously there's ways to address it. But like, how do I go from like a, a fully fossil fuel based operations to integrating renewables on site where Whereas, you know, purchasing RECs, as you mentioned, helps us, you know, we could buy basically the solar power, wind power generated somewhere else. And it must be quite a conversation with companies to figure out, you know, which is the best path to go, right? Definitely, because you want to align a corporation with their goals as closely as possible. One thing that we are focused on that uh, putting out here soon would be... um, just seeing what corporations are looking at in general, like if it's a carbon offset they're looking for, if they're looking for more recs 
instead uh, in terms of solar on-site or off-site and things of that nature. So we definitely look to see what they want and try to pair them as closely as possible to that. And then it helps out a lot because the corporations don't really know where to go for this. They don't know, mm. they don't have foundational knowledge on this. And so bridging that gap between not knowing anything about carbon offset and not knowing anything about RECs and getting them to the foundational knowledge they need to make a business decision is really where Snyder Electric steps in to help out the corporations and cater them in these deals. Well, and that's so exciting to get for you to get that kind of professional experience because this is really what you've kind of envisioned as a career, right? Being a, a consultant to organizations that want to do more sustainability, right? Like that's what you see yourself fitting in? Definitely. So when I got into the major of sustainability, I always knew I wanted to do consulting because I've always been a business-minded person. And I think that if we consult with not only large corporations, but, you know, small mom and pop shops as well, yeah, then we'll be able to hit the community and let them know that, hey, sustainability is the way of the future, it's the way of now, actually, and it's the way how we preserve and get to the future and make sure the generations to come are still going to be okay because we're taking care of them in a sustainable fashion. Yeah. Well, and coming at it from that business mindset is really useful because you can make the case for sustainability from so many different angles now, right? Definitely. Like certainly there's like the ethical angle, but businesses have a lot of motivations, right? And you can make even a bottom line argument for a lot of things in sustainability today like it really does help improve your bottom line and then of course there's the whole attracting customers and retaining customers marketing yourself if you're a dirty company nobody's going to want to buy from you right exactly because it's a new generations are taking over you know the, the world and the country and just showing that we care about what these corporations do what their daily practices are and how they're affecting the environment because we have to live with that yeah and we're more aware of that now more so than ever, I think. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Because <laughs> that's certainly what we need. <laughs> Do you feel like you have lots of peers your age, uh, other people who may be outside of the sustainability major, but still have an interest in these areas and are passionate about it? I think they are passionate about it in a baseline way in terms of uh, looking at the environmental side, because I feel like my generation is more mobile than most generations have been oh. saying they've moved to, we're more so attached to like apartments and we move from state to state, you know, going out of state colleges, hmm. experiencing more parts of the country in the world with studying abroad. So we're seeing the variation when, you know, you go to Europe versus being here in America and what it looks like to just have a city and how the layout is. Yeah with, you know, uh, gas prices in UK being a lot higher to just, you know, stave off people using cars in the city. And then over here, gas prices going up, just seeing parallels between two different countries and two different parts of the world and how they're taking care of the same problem, which is organizing cities and making them the best centers of activity as they can be. So, yeah, boy, I have found it so valuable. The most valuable times of my life in terms of learning have been when I put myself in a different culture, whether it's outside the U.S. or even just inside the U.S., moving to a different city where where people have different perspectives. And you come out of it feeling so much more powerful and, and, and knowledgeable about, oh, this is how other people can think and manage these same problems. So I'm, I'm glad that your generation is open to those challenges, right? And right, not, right. not just interested in being in one place and really getting to know that one place really well. I mean, there's some value to that too, but getting around and seeing other cultures, I think really opens your eyes. And have you even noticed just in your life some of that? Yes. No, I have noticed that uh, a lot of people want to branch out and explore other cultures, especially with social media being so prevalent in our lives. 
you know, I could open up Instagram now and look at somebody from India or the UK or Australia and see what they're posting and see what their views looks like for a day or go to YouTube and see an influencer from a different country. And just we're so global. Globalization is taking place in a media format at a high level to where the curiosity for what different cultures do and how they take care of things and how people in a whole different continent are taking care of their sustainable problems because, you know, developing countries, they're going through the same problems that developed countries had to go through, but they had to handle it a different way because mm. of our awareness of what that industrialization process does to the world. Right. And how it's, it's like a, it's, it's a hard rock and a hard place they're stuck between because they want to get to the life of developed countries, but they have to still, they have to develop to the stage of a developed country, but at the same time, they can't develop the same way that we have before. Exactly. Because it'll lead us in the same place on a larger scale. Exactly. And so knowing that and being aware of that, I think makes people in my generation more cognizant of, you know, sustainable practices and that we need to do that because we want to be a world that's united and on a single front to stop, you know, climate change, global warming and things that are going to affect us for years to come. Cause this is a global challenge. No it doubt. <laughs> so it needs, it needs to be addressed globally. And yet, we, you know, we, we know from studying sustainability that the solutions always have to be locally tailored. They have to make sense locally. So I wish there was, you know, some silver bullet to save the whole world everywhere, but it really does take local cultures digging into what, what is foundational to them, what their local resources are that they can actually depend on going forward instead of this old model of just extracting from elsewhere. Exactly. Uh, and, and unfortunately, you know, through colonialism, we've extracted so much wealth into the Western nations that, um, it, you know, it's put them, the other nations behind. Uh, and I, I totally get what you're saying. Like we, we cannot expect everybody to go down that same colonial extractive path. Exactly. There has to be a better way forward, right? There has to be because, you know, I feel like sustainability is a spectrum. It's not something that you can completely achieve, but something that you always improve on. And so in that regard, when you look at it from a country standpoint, and you have, you're this conglomeration of cities, mm. I feel like it's advantageous to look at it as how can we become utopia-like? I mean, it's very hard to get to the utopia stage, but right. how do you become utopia-like? What does it look like to visualize that where you are now and uh, kind of avoid the pitfalls that developed countries have made and you know through industrialization and how they've developed things because um i've heard in africa there was this one engineer that did something with sound and trying to harness the power of sound wow so yeah and he was uh doing that to just power just some things around the house and using the you know the resonance of sound waves to be able to do that so just innovation like that can be born from places where they have to take a different path and i feel like Developed countries should have the responsibility to nurture that in ingenuity and that innovativeness in other countries because that'll be the keys to getting us leaps and bounds past where we are now. Because the whole world worked on a problem together as a collective. I feel like there's nobody that would disagree with the fact that we would be able to handle this problem because we're cooperating, you know. So. Oh, I love that you touched on that, too. Cooperation going to be vital to a better tomorrow for sure. My guest today here on the program is Keon Ferris. He is a senior sustainability major at UofL. He's also interning with Schneider Electric. I'm so glad to have him in the studio with me here on Sustainability Now. We're talking about careers in sustainability and related fields. You kind of had this vision for what you wanted to do. What about some of your peers in the program? So some of my peers in the program are looking more like agricultural uh, ways of helping because they want to target sectors that produce the problem in a certain aspect. Um, so agriculture has been something that's floated around. Uh, Department of Energy jobs is also something that's floated around as well. 
just uh, focusing on different sectors and seeing how they can help. And then also right. um, a lot of people funnel into urban planning because mm -hmm. we see that there's an influx of population growth in cities and as the trend's only continuing as the years go on. And so if we're able to create more sustainable cities across the country and across the world, then that could um, that could lead to the future that we want, where we have, you know, sustainable practices, where we have walkable cities. And yeah. people in my major are studying how to make sustainable societies, uh, policy and governance and things of that nature. So they want to see how they can apply that directly to a field like in approving legislation or doing things in that nature to just just to help out the sustainability effort of today. Yeah, there are just so many directions it can go in. That's why it's one of the hardest questions I get. Like, give me some career advice. Like, and I'm always like, man, if you want to do sustainability, there is every sector of society needs help in sustainability, right? And Definitely. you can you you can work on it from all kinds of topical angles: food, energy, buildings, transportation, right? And you can work on it at you know nonprofit level, big national nonprofits or small local ones or institutions, governments, uh, you know policy you mentioned that's a huge angle of sustainability or corporate angles and the companies that are also looking for sustainability coordinators so i mean it is it is wide open and expanding right i bet you're not really worried about finding a job no, I'm not. <laughs> uh, and when and kind of what guided me to even get the internship at snyder was i was looking one day for a sustainability consultant because i knew that wanted to be my job title once i graduated mm -hmm. And so the first company that popped up was Snyder Electric on like Google Jobs. Wow. I was like, okay, great. So they have exactly what I want to do. And now I have to kind of backtrack from where I am as a current student. And I also have a degree requirement that needs internship too. So, you know, kind of knock two birds out with one stone, kind of get my foot in the door and also um, get a degree requirement done so I could also get the degree so I could get the job that I want at the end of the yeah. day. So yeah, kind of came full circle there. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a bright future for for our sustainability majors, even though it's not necessarily a well-worn path, you know, like a, a, a lot of a certain in the engineering field, right? right? It's like your path from what you need to do to study and then potential jobs. I mean, with our speed school, people are doing co-ops where they're really in the companies they might future work in doing right. the actual kind of work that they would be doing. So th that's a really well-worn path. But exactly. in sustainability, it's a little more, it's a little loosey-goosey and a little more self-defined. Like you do kind of have to find your fit and your passions, right? And I hope that U of L is an opportunity for people to do that, to explore some of those things. Do you feel like it's been that way for you? I feel like U of L has been amazing with catering to what I want to learn about the sustainability field and how I can put my personality into it and create a job from it. Because I feel like if you're in the sustainability major at U of L or any university, that you're a pioneer because it's very relatively <laughs> That's a good new. way to put it. Yeah. You know, so um, since you're a pioneer, you have to be able to forge your own path and go where people haven't ventured before and make new changes because you know all respects we would be experts in the field once we graduate so you would expect us to know what to do next or at least have a plan on mm. how to move us forward from where we are now to the next step mm. being you know carbon neutrality carbon negativity and things of that nature mm. so with us having to be pioneers and be trailblazers in that regard i feel like uofl prepares me through going deeper and deeper in coursework from my freshman year to where I am now as a senior in terms of I now I'm in more of my track with sustainable societies and I can see what are criteria for a sustainable city in terms of transportation, in terms of uh, how you organize it, in terms of how it's governed. 
things of that nature and just examining that on a deeper level and using case studies as my own city as Louisville and looking at the West End for examples on what we can do better right. to make, you know, revitalize areas like that or look at the waterfront and what projects gets done here in Louisville and compare it to, you know, green spaces in Chicago, just things of that nature where we really look at real world examples and current things because sustainability is so not relatively new, but it's a current topic and it'll be a current topic for as long as you know, time exists, yeah. I, I feel like, because, you know, there's no real end to seeking sustainability. And so because the coursework is so relevant, and then in my policy and governance class, we're talking about things like collective action, which is as relatively new as like the 1980s. Mm -hmm. And so everything we're reading and learning is very relevant. And I feel like that's needed. So I have the, the current tools to be able to go into the workforce or go and create a business for myself and be able to make an impact because I have the, the tools to research and understand what's happening in the field now and how to utilize that knowledge and how to make impacts now for tomorrow and what we have in resounding effects in that regard. Well, that is so good to hear. I swear I didn't pay him <laughs> to say this. This is unsolicited feedback about the program at UofL. And I'm so encouraged to hear that there are real world opportunities to study this, you know, right here in Louisville and that you can do it in an engaged scholarship kind of way where you're looking at these real world challenges and sustainability that we have right here and feeling like what you're studying means something and, and is applicable and isn't just theoretical, right? I right. mean, I, I'm sure there is some theory, but you're figuring out ways to apply it, right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That is awesome. That is so good to hear. My guest here on Sustainability Now, Keon Ferris, is a senior sustainability major. Anything else you want to say about the experience of being a major in sustainability at UofL? Any professors you want to shout out or anything like that? Tamara Sless was definitely <laughs> a, a wonderful professor in just learning about different ecosystems, ecosystem services, and yeah. how it plays into sustainability in general. Uh, <laughs> Professor Getsky, I'm probably butchering his name a little bit because it's German, <laughs> but um, I like how he pushes us to excel yeah. and explore in our own way policy and governance when it comes to sustainability because when we look at the world it is a big tragedy of the commons problem mm. and learning how to govern this commons correctly or yeah. as sustainably as possible because I feel like there is no real just one correct way to handle the governance of the world but to look for collective things that we can do to govern the world as best as we can do now and try to improve on it tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that I feel like that's the plan of action that we should follow and stick to and I feel like Professor Getsky, I'm pretty sure I'm butchering it, but uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's definitely taught us how to look into that through just current uh, readings and looking at Ostrom and, and authors in that regard to just learn how to govern well and learn how to avoid the pitfalls of the past and how things have been governed uh, as of as of today. Yeah, and that's such an interesting thing. This whole issue of governance, and we tend to think of it in America as like, okay, governance. That means I go to the voting booth and I vote for somebody. But it's so much more than that. Being an engaged citizen today, right? Right. And the and governance can exist at, down to the household level, even, right? Exactly. And you know, when it comes to like developing communities, like when I talked about uh, the West End of Louisville, just like governing the, a community like that and being able to improve it. You have to have, you know, citizen participation right. and, you know, meetings where they have more than just a say, but they have power to actually move, resources to move. We have state reinforced governance in that uh, regard and just, you know, having a state that backs up the initiatives for the community that is trying to help. Mm. Because who knows better than the community that is 
trying to be helped on how to help themselves and what solutions they really need. So, you know, supporting them from a state level and a local level, actually all levels, honestly, is the, I feel like a best practice to continue forward to be a more sustainable society. Yeah. And that's one of the things that is taught in class as well. So, you know, just a lot of things that are taught in class, I can see in the real world. (laughs) And that's what I love the most about it because I can apply it today. After I learn a lesson, I can look it up in the news and see an example of it today. Oh, oh there it is. <laughs> That's, <amazing. Yeah. laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, and and man, there is such a value to not only cooperation, like you were saying earlier, but just the act of listening, listening to those in need rather than sort of imposing what we think is the best solution on them and then being frustrated when it doesn't work out. Like right, we right, planned, right. right? Like, <laughs> like you were saying, like we need to work with those, those communities that we're trying to help. And really prioritize their needs and 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 see them as a valuable resource for ideas and information that we may not have as outsiders, as legislators or researchers, right, coming into those communities. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so I'm so glad that that is part of the curriculum at U of L. Yes, uh, yes. I am not a professor, so sometimes this whole world of like what students actually learn in the classroom is a little opaque to me. But <laughs> I'm getting that some of the inside scoop today, which is great. Uh, but it's not just classroom learning at U of right 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 no it's very hands-on i mean when we do do classroom learning we sometimes i mean i know in uh professor Sluss's class we surveyed uofl's campus to kind of see what data was there for renewable like scope one emissions and seeing what carbon was being sequestered by trees that was like two semesters ago and that was just an interesting project to see how there are current things happening on campus that in a classroom you can participate in and attribute to and contribute to so uh, that was interesting. But beyond the classroom, I feel like just events that happen on campus that, you know, spread awareness, uh, things like this, you know, radio show right here to spread awareness are definitely things that are integral to the sustainability education platform as well, because it, it makes us branch off and want to go deeper into the major, put more effort into it, you know, be more participatory in all the events that are going on so we can have our impact on the community that we live in, which is University of Louisville. And things like Sustainability Council and then the communities that branch off from that to, you know, make initiatives happen on the university are very important because they have a communication between the faculty that are, you know, helping out and doing things and the students that are the community. So it's kind of like what I talked about earlier, where the community is voicing what they need or what they react to the best or what would change behaviors to be more sustainable in a certain sense and be able to just help out and guide the Sustainability Council as a, as a unified force, as a cohesive force. So I like what UofL offers in that regard. Right, because in the, in the case of trying to create change at UofL, the communities we're trying to help, in that case, might be the community of students, right? And exactly. are we listening to students when we make these initiatives or try and create change for sustainability? That has always been so fundamental to what we do, what I have tried to do. Uh, and as a university-wide sustainability council, what we try and do is integrate that student voice, both at the leadership level, whether it's talking about student government, but also, in, you know, and our door is so open to any student who, ha- who has a voice, wants to make a change is interested in the process. Uh, I mean, I think it's a really good professional experience just to understand some of the sausage making at UML, yeah, right? Yeah, to understand the ins and outs because when I received the invitation for a sustainability council, I was very happy because I was looking for a way to get involved. Uh, right. Normally in the past, when I was in speed school, I had no time for extracurriculars. Oh, yeah. And that's another thing that I really love about sustainability major. Like if you have a job, if you have something else you're going on with like family, you live outside of campus, things of that nature, you're still able to balance it 
with the major because the professor's understanding, um, the coursework is mostly papers that just show what you've learned and show that you can produce knowledge mm -hmm. from the information you've taken in. So it's not as intensive as another course where it's just like a lot of information thrown at you and you're just re <laughs> required to regurgitate it, not to like slight any major or anything like that. But um, It happens. It does happen <laughs> in education. But um, with us in sustainability, I feel like it's really focused on the student as a learner mm. that's able to really understand what's going on in the world now, what problems that we're facing now as a collective unit, and just bringing out the analytical mind of a student and asking them, what would you do to solve this sustainability problem? Or yeah. How would you and a group of students come together and, you know, how would you approach this situation that's happening in this certain case study? And it, it really makes us thinkers, and I feel like that brings out the innovation that formal education can sometimes inhibit, I would think, because, you know, when a lot of information is thrown at you over and over again. You're expected to perform on quiz after quiz or test after test right. and keep on doing that without really explaining yourself and your own thought process mm -hmm. on the topic. It kind of takes away from the learning experience. Mm -hmm. But I feel like we're becoming teachers of sustainability as well by being able to work in groups and work on group projects and being able to understand these topics in depth because that's what's expected of us at a certain level once you're in upper level classes in the sustainability major. So. This is so great. This is making me so happy to hear because if we want professional folks who are able to really do sustainability well, they need to be lifelong learners. Right. They need to understand that sustainability ain't all figured out. I mean, maybe what you're pointing to when you talk about regurgitating information is sort of the assumption that, well, we have figured this out. There is an answer. Exactly. Whereas in sustainability, I think we've always been willing to admit we don't fully know the answers. We don't fully know the way forward. What we want to be able to do well is observe, investigate, and work on iterative solutions. As you've said multiple times, we're never going to get to sustainability, but it's really important that we walk that path, right? right. Uh, and that we continually improve and learn. And so making lifelong learners, I think, is what, <laughs> what it's all about. So yeah, exactly. I'm so glad to hear that that's part of your experience at UofL. Uh, you're listening to Sustainability Now here on Forward Radio, your community radio station with me, Justin Mogg. So delighted to be sitting down with one of our senior sustainability majors at UofL. Keon Ferris is with me. You mentioned some of these extracurricular activities, and a lot of students are really busy, right? Right, right, right. Definitely. <laughs> so not everybody can, you know, form a club and have weekly meetings with it and all that um, but there are still ways to get involved right there are because i mean me as a case study i work a 30-hour job now i do a 20-hour internship on top of that and uh Oof, man and i live off campus so <laughs> you know i'm not directly accessible and the class isn't right around the corner for me it's 20 minutes down the road and i have to get there um mondays and wednesdays but um because sustainability is so flexible and nature just has how it's designed as a degree i feel like it's very doable for somebody to do extracurriculars and things outside of classes and still be able to get a quality education because the teachers really care about making sure that you understand information, number one. And then number two, as a student in sustainability, there's that, I feel like there's that inner drive to mm. really want to learn and really understand it on a deeper level because something inside of you as a student of sustainability makes you say, I can be an impact to this world and I want to really make a change. So. I'm going to really learn what they're teaching me because it's going to be impactful in the future. And it's going to teach me the techniques I need to know. 
in order to take in this totally new information if it's on the job or if it's me making a business that wants to be sustainably focused and mm-hmm. things of that nature and just being able to develop as a person. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the major really pushes you as a person to balance not only, you know, school alone, but school with extracurriculars and be involved in sustainability initiatives on campus. Because that's another learning experience in, in general, being right. a part of other councils or committees that are doing sustainable things, or even if they're not specifically a sustainability committee, on other committees on campus, you know, being able to be that sustainability voice and being able to spread the word of like, hey, you know, we can be more sustainable by, you know, recycling this or reusing that or reducing our energy usage for a party or just anything, yeah. just in general, you know, just thinking about things outside of the normal box because, you know, sustainability is really about thinking about what we're doing and being conscious about our actions making conscious choices exactly and so i feel like that conscientiousness being spread to not only just sustainably focus committees and everything on campus but all committees is something that's happening now with you know planning committees uh for sustainability definitely reaching out to those committees and letting them know hey you can do this that and the other and then it would improve how you impact the campus and it would improve your sustainability image and it would just improve how the campus comes together as a whole and is more sustainable than mm-hmm. other campuses. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and we certainly have opportunities on campus for folks to sort of stroll through. Like I always think of our garden commons as yeah. one of those examples, right? Like you don't have to come to the Friday work days every week. You could just stroll through and experience sustainability in getting back in touch with the land, with what sustains you. You can compost there. You can see water capture systems. Like this is a place where you can sort of experience like we were starting off the conversation and you know the windmills in indiana sort of inspiring a different way of thinking like that's the idea and always has been my vision for campus is a place where it's sort of a living laboratory of exploration and sustainability and so we try and make those possibilities there for students and we know we know everybody's busy so (laughs) finding time for it yeah Yeah. (laughs) another thing i know you've been really interested in is is more responsible spending habits and the way we manage our money right you've been thinking a lot about that yes because you know if we're supporting a company or a corporation that isn't sustainably minded then we're supporting a future that doesn't think sustainably as well right however you know if we're spending our dollars with corporations that are very sustainably minded and they're thinking about the impact of everything that they do from a to z then we're spending more responsibly and we're putting in our vote for the future that we want to see because ultimately I feel like the the big paradigm shift that's happening now is thinking about what are the lives of our grandkids going to look like yeah great great grandkids what are the what's the future of the world looks like after I'm gone because there is still a future after that and you know that paradigm shift is imperative to the thought process being we need to vote for things that are going to last for a long time in a positive manner like corporations trying to offset what they their dormant activities do in carbon emissions and greenhouse gas emissions and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, young people probably don't have a lot of financial investments. Like you don't have a retirement account yet. You're not there yet. But every day when we spend money, we're making an investment in a way, right? And we exactly. when we invest our time and attention, we're, that is an investment of a kind that I think is just as important as a retirement count in terms of creating the future we really want and need. It's not just totally an individualistic thing. It's not about my pot of money. It's, our, it's like we've been saying, it's our collective future. So I love that you're thinking that way. Do you have any tools you've, you've explored for how to figure out what, what are better companies? 
companies to be shopping with? Now, in my experience, and this is just comes from my internship, but my experience with that, I had to research the sustainability goals that corporations mm. have because they were attending the conference. And um, if you just go to their website about us and you look at their ESG report, mm-hmm. their ESG report, and you just, you know, control F and find like 2025 or 2030, you'll be able to see if they have any goals for carbon neutrality yeah. in the future. And that's just a quick way to, you know, vet a company and say, okay, yes, they, <laughs> they're just, they're looking to do sustainable things in the future and offset their practices now and uh, help the world get to where it's trying to go. So that'd be a comfortable place, you know, uh, spend your money at, you know, uh, local businesses. I don't think they're really as aware of how they can help out with that or as concerned as of yet, just because I don't think the the opportunity has been presented to them yet or solution providers have really targeted that as a way to, you know, help out because local businesses and small businesses are still a big integral part of the economy Yeah, and something to really look at and supporting. But I feel like there are some, you know, local businesses that are sustainable just because they're at a smaller scale. So uh, in summary, to answer your question, just looking at their websites and doing research on the company and uh, what their values are mm. is a good way to just see if it's somewhere where you really want to spend your money mm-hmm. consciously because it's all about making a conscious mm-hmm. decision. And with some of those local businesses, you might actually be able to have this conversation with the owner, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I love about a farmer's market. Like you right. can actually go and meet the farmer and, uh, you know, maybe you don't have time to go visit their farm, but you can actually get a feel for what kind of agriculture they're doing. You were talking about some of your colleagues are interested in the whole food and farming side of sustainability. And there's a lot of questions there. But when you I can actually meet someone in, in a place like a farmer's market and understand where they're coming from, it's, it helps build that confidence. And same thing with any local business person right like there's a a, it's different when it's in conversation exactly when you're able to actually just sit down and meet with the owner just speak with them for a couple seconds and say you know hey you know why did you even start this business what what was your job behind it what's your mission statement what's your goal things of that nature when you actually actually see that and i feel like more companies should put that on like a banner and just wave it around and just let everybody know (laughs) like this is why we are here and doing this right now because it, it fosters a, a greater connection between the consumer and the, the supplier. Yeah. Because then we understand, okay, you you really want this business because you want to make a difference in the world. And so I can definitely get behind that mission and I can support that. Yeah. I mean, the more you've been talking about this, it's getting me excited about thinking about what if there was some sort of, because you want to be a sustainability consultant, right? And right. these small local businesses probably not going to be able to afford to hire you. Right. But what if there was... <laughs> In uh, you know an army of cons- sustainability consultants who were funded by some other means who helped local businesses that couldn't otherwise have that you know it could be like a nonprofit organization or government supported uh, but that would provide some of these services to small businesses that otherwise probably never going to get there right and I think about that because you know on site projects for smaller because I mean as a smaller business they're most likely not going to think about off-site projects because they're just not yeah. big enough. Yeah, that too. Or they're not, you know, producing enough emissions to even think about that because, I mean, that would be good. If that's a collective, you know, small businesses could do that of the same industry. That would be, an I- that could be an idea for, you know, like um, everyone in the small food industry. Well, food industry is not small. But um, yeah. <laughs> just lo- local restaurants in a city getting together and saying, hey, to offset all of our emissions, we could do an off-site project. Wow, yeah. You know, things like that. But I feel like it just needs a voice in city to city or just communities that says, 
if we all band together and do there something similar to this or something like this, then it could have a positive impact on all of us. Mm-hmm. And circling back to why I want to be in sustainability industry in general, being a business-minded person, I do want my legacy goal. I call it my legacy goal because I feel like <laughs> uh, it'll be something once I'm gone to carry on the legacy of like how I live my life. And um, one of those things is building a company that does sustainable solutions for not only companies but developing countries and just helping them uh get the solutions they need and being able to provide that so in getting to that legacy goal being able to advise smaller businesses on how to be more sustainable how to offset their carbon emissions because still, they still have a carbon footprint yeah and to be aware of that i think that would be necessary because then they'd be more aware and they could be a part of the fight against you know the global problem that we're facing right now and have a bigger story to st- to, to tell about why their business is, you know, worthy of your support and patronage, right? Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This has been so awesome. We're nearing the end of our time, and I definitely wanted to leave a few minutes just to talk about your vision for this sustainability podcast that you have been working on. Tell me a little bit about what you got in mind. Definitely. So we were thinking about interviewing some students on campus that are in their freshman to senior year to kind of get more awareness around what the major looks like. I mean, my experience can be different from somebody else's experience. So just getting a a census for what the experience is in the major to be an advocate for people that don't really know what they want to do, but know they want to help the world. That was kind of my drive as a kid and going to now just helping the world. And I found sustainability as an outlet to do that. But being able to give them some guidance on, you know, this major over here is very aware of the problems of today. We're able to create lifelong learners, people that can think through problems, be critical thinkers. And that's, that's, you know, that's a viable skill in any workforce job or anything like that. So um, letting them know that. Also, just uh, interviewing faculty to see how their experience has been teaching in a relatively new major at University of Louisville what success stories they've seen, you know, because they know how, I mean, I would think they would keep in contact with, like, the first cohort of students that graduate from the major, what career fields they're in now. Yeah. Kind of see that to give uh, current students and uh, future students a guide on, like, what career paths are being explored after the major, after the master's degree as well. And then just getting more insights on that because I feel like it's important for people to know what they're signing up for before they do it. Yeah. <laughs> so they're more, you know, they're more prepared for it and they're they're ready to do it and they're committed to do it because the commitment to anything is very important just to make sure that you see it through because you know why you're doing it. Right. You know. Right. Well, that's exciting, man. I would love to listen to that podcast. Uh, and we'd love to air it here on Forward Radio, too. So definitely uh, let me know how you, I can support you in that work. And, and I, I encourage you going forward. I think that would be a great vision for a podcast. Thank you. I appreciate that. It'll be my first one. So, yeah. you know, hopefully I do well. Yeah. I know it'll probably be shaky at the beginning because, you know, <laughs> that's how things start off. But no, you, look, how, look how great you've done in this interview. Man, and, man, you've got the voice, too. I, I love it. it. I have heard that before. When I worked at Walgreens. The, uh, my mm. mantra said I have a voice for radio. It's so. very nice to listen to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time and joining me in the studio today. This has been awesome. Anytime. And I appreciate it. Please invite me back for more times. Uh, I'll bring fellow students as well to just share their experiences as well because it's been a very fun time. All right. Keon Ferris, he's a senior sustainability major at UofL. And thank you so much for taking the time today. Stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a second, I got your community action calendar, a whole bunch of ideas about how you can get engaged in sustainability this week. So stay tuned, my friends. Love is what we need. See it climbing up on the 
And we're back here on Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, on your community radio station, Forward Radio 106.5 FM and forwardradio.org. I hope you've got your pencils sharpened and your calendars out and are ready to get active for sustainability this week here in Louisville. Well, I've mentioned it on the program before, and the volunteer opportunities to come out and help Common Earth Gardens plant pollinator-friendly gardens continues this week at agricultural sites throughout Louisville. Of course, pollinators are responsible for one out of three bites of food we take each day, and yet pollinators are at a critical point in their own survival. This is uh, one of the efforts of Common Earth Gardens to address this issue by installing pollinator gardens. Your support will contribute to housing, feeding, and the protection of pollinators that are vital to our food system and to our environmental health. Folks are encouraged to bring water and wear shoes and clothes that you don't mind getting dirty because volunteers are going to be helping remove sod and weeds, till soil, create walking paths, lay down landscaping fabric, scattering uh, and planting seeds, flowers, plugs and shrubs, mulching and watering, of course, at this time of year. And the, the opportunities continue this week on Tuesday, uh, October 18th. They need volunteers out at the Southside Community Garden there at 7315. Southside Drive, located behind Antioch Church. They need, uh, you can sign up for one of two shifts from 1 to 3 or 3.30 to 5.30. And more information about all of these and an opportunity to sign up is at tinyurl.com slash we love pollinators. Then on Wednesday the 19th, they need volunteers out at the 7th Street Community Garden, 3221 South 7th Street. It's a massive garden, a wonderful thing to see if you've never seen it. And you can come help plant a pollinator garden there on Wednesday. Again, shifts are 1 to 3 or 3.30 to 5.30. And it all wraps up on Friday, October 28th. They need help out at the Incubator Farm, 3122 Millers Lane. Again, from 1 to 5.30, and you could sign up for one of the two shifts. More information and the signups are at tinyurl.com slash pollinators. Now, also, October 18th marks the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Clean Water Act, and you have two opportunities to celebrate here in town. Uh, at noon on Tuesday the 18th, the, there'll be a Clean Water Act 50th anniversary and Rotary Club of Louisville donation celebration taking place at the Waterfront Park's Great Lawn overlooking the Ohio River there at 231 Witherspoon Street. All are welcome to join the Kentucky Waterways Alliance for a celebration and cake to mark the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act. In addition to speakers, Rotary Club of Louisville will present a donation to Kentucky Waterways Alliance in support of their commitment to clean water. As Gene West, president of Rotary Club of Louisville says, Rotarians understand that clean and healthy waterways are important for recreation tourism, and economic development in Louisville, the Commonwealth, and all river cities on both sides of the Ohio. What an awesome sentiment. Come on out and celebrate with us at noon at the Waterfront Park's Great Lawn. Then, if you're out looking for something to do after work to celebrate, there's going to be a, at Apocalypse Brew Works a Salt River Watershed Watch and 50 Years of the Clean Water Act celebration and fundraiser from 5.30 to 8.30 at Apocalypse 
Apocalypse Brew Works, 1612 Melwood Avenue. There is a suggested $5 donation, and you're encouraged to bring your own lawn chair. Salt River Watershed Watch is a citizen science organization of volunteers that give their time to improve our streams through a coordinated campaign of water quality monitoring, skills development, water improvement projects, and environmental education. Join them for live music, light snacks, talks given by community leaders right around 6.30, as well as networking with other water lovers. Learn about the various organizations working locally to study, protect, and provide recreational opportunities and how you can get involved. Again, there's more information about both of these events on Tuesday, which marks the 50th anniversary of the signing of the Clean Water Act at facebook.com slash Kentucky Waterways Alliance. Also on Tuesday evening, October 18th, it's a big day here in Louisville at 7 p.m. It's the Greater Louisville Sierra Club's October program online on the topic of Environmental Health Literacy Coalition. Forward Radio's proud community partner, the Greater Louisville Sierra Club, invites you to join them. To, to welcome presenters from the Environmental Health Literacy Coalition based in Louisville. Their presentation will focus on community questions related to environmental law and justice, with a particular focus on the disproportionate impact of air pollution on West Louisville's black community. The Environmental Health Literacy Coalition is a group of community leaders, grassroots activists, and academic scholars focused on making the science of air pollution more accessible for people of Louisville Metro Council District. Three, an area just outside of Rubbertown. Their coalition includes Councilwoman Keisha Dorsey, Rubbertown Emergency Action React, the Christie Love Foundation, Dr. Megan Poole from UofL's Department of English, Dr. Abigail Koenig from UofL's uh, College of Business, and Professor Shivani Carthens uh, from University's uh, School of Law, UofL's uh, Brandeis School of Law. They aim to work with community residents to create informative and accessible resources related to air pollution. Their guiding principle is that environmental justice is racial justice. You can find the link to register and learn more about this at sierraclub.org slash Kentucky. And again, it's coming up on Tuesday, October 18th at 7 p.m. online. Now, moving on to Wednesday, the 19th. Green Drinks is back, and it's every other month, and this month the focus is on electric vehicles. It's always at 6 p.m. at rotating venues, this time on Wednesday at 6 p.m. at Logan Street Market. For this month's Green Drinks, we'll be hearing from local electric vehicle enthusiasts. The Louisville Sustainability Council's Green Drinks is a casual bi-monthly meetup of community members and organizations featuring different speakers from across the city to educate and inform on local happenings, projects, and initiatives. Each presentation is followed by Q&A, discussion, and networking, and it takes place on the third Wednesday of every other month at 6 p.m. You can get more information at louisvillesustainabilitycouncil.org. No need to register, though. Just come on out this Wednesday, October 19th at 6 p.m. at Logan Street Market. Going on to Thursday, it's uh, October 20th at noon. It's the third Thursday lunch series presented by Fellowship of Reconciliation and Sowers of Justice Network online with D. Pragliasco, first vice president of the Kentucky League of Women Voters on how voting rights are under attack. 
Well known as a student of the tangled web of voting history in the U.S., D. Pragliasco's presentation will be a timely reminder that the upcoming general election on Tuesday, November 8th is a very important date to observe. For voters in Jefferson County will be casting their ballots to determine their next mayor, third district congressman, U.S. senator, state legislators, two possible amendments to the Kentucky Constitution, and local school board races. You can see louisvillefor.org for details about all that. Third Thursday Lunch is sponsored by Proud Forward Radio Community Partners, the Fellowship of Reconciliation, and Sowers of Justice Network, two faith-based advocacy groups that work for justice through education and action. The event will also be live-streamed on the Sowers of Justice Network Facebook page. That's at facebook.com slash S-O-J-N-L-O-U where you can also find the link to register for the Zoom. If you want to participate live and ask any questions, it's from noon to one on Thursday, October 20th. And a recording of the talk will be broadcast right here on Forward Radio, so stay tuned. Also coming up this week on October 22nd, in Saturday, it is the start of the University of Louisville's annual Sustainability Week, a full week of events open to the public to celebrate, raise awareness, and engage your passions for environmental, social, and economic justice. We'll have our 15th annual Campus Sustainability Day Fair, lectures, films, free sales, workshops on solar power and aquaponics, and so much more. You can see the full schedule of events at louisville.edu sustainability but we're kicking it all off with a saturday of service coming up this saturday october 22nd encouraging everyone in the community to come on out and walk the talk by giving back to your community in one of uh, these four ways so there's four opportunities this saturday to do it it kicks off with the louisville earth walk this saturday october 22nd at 9 a.m to noon at hogan's fountain in beautiful cherokee park on october 22nd you're encouraged to join us for the six annual Louisville Earth Walk at Hogan's Fountain. We will be celebrating our beautiful planet while raising both awareness and funds for the organizations in our city that work to protect and improve the quality of life for all. We look forward to seeing everyone in Cherokee Park. More information and registration is at louisvillesustainabilitycouncil.org. Come on out for the Louisville Earth Walk on Saturday at 9 a.m. to noon at Hogan's Fountain in Cherokee Park. Also, Saturday is a Brightside community-wide cleanup, and you can be part of this citywide event to keep Louisville looking bright and beautiful by signing up. You need to go to louisvilleky.gov, search for Brightside, and you'll find the community-wide cleanup there. All residents can make a difference by taking part in the community-wide cleanup. It's a great service opportunity for scouts or sports teams or faith groups or community organizations, corporate teams, neighborhood groups, anybody. Cleanups are an integral part of Brightside's mission and without the help of volunteer groups and many other volunteers throughout the year, Brightside could not achieve their goals for a cleaner, greener Louisville. Neighborhoods can hold their own cleanups at any point throughout the year and Brightside can provide gloves and bags for each neighborhood cleanup. They work with solid waste management to have the collected litter bags picked up, but you can call uh, and register online. You can call 502-574-2613 about two weeks prior to your event or prior to Saturday Saturday's Brightside community-wide cleanup to register your interest and your group or to learn where you can take part in another group. 
Also coming up Saturday, it's such a big day in Louisville, it's the Jeffersonville or Clarksville tree planting. Uh, We're doing them in both over across the river in southern Indiana from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Everyone's going to meet up in Jeffersonville, Indiana at Lansden Park, which is at 201 East 15th Street. Louisville Grows needs you to join our tree planting team. Help us dig towards our goal of planting a thousand trees this fall season. Trained citizen foresters will lead groups of volunteers to properly plant trees on residential properties. No experience is necessary. Everyone is welcome to come play in the dirt with us. Registration will take place in Lansden Park at 201 East 15th Street in Jeffersonville, Indiana from 8 a.m. to 8.50 a.m. and then planting groups will depart at 9 a.m. Everyone's encouraged to dress appropriately for the weather. You'll be digging in the dirt and handling mulch so wear clothes that you don't mind getting dirty. Closed-toed shoes are definitely required and waterproof outerwear is recommended if rain is in the forecast i wish ah don't worry about that we will plant trees come rain or shine if severe weather is expected you'll be notified about an alternative event date but you can sign up right now uh learn more at louisvillegrows.org find the link to sign up and if you have any questions you can contact matt at trees at louisvillegrows.org uh, the direct link to register is tinyurl.com slash S-O-I-N-Trees22. And there's another tree planting. If, if, you, if you're not a morning person, you want to come out in the afternoon, uh, I think I'm going to be doing both of these because it's so exciting. We're going to be planting trees in Phoenix Hill, the Phoenix Hill neighborhood here in downtown Louisville, on Saturday the 22nd from 1 to 4 p.m., meeting up at 833 East Madison Street, right there at the corner of Madison and Campbell. Louisville Metro Parks invites you to join us for a fun afternoon of tree planting. We'll be planting about 50 trees to make Louisville streets a little greener. Tools and guidance will be provided by the urban forestry team groups of families with school-aged children are also welcome in the event of rain (laughs) the project will take place on sunday but i don't think it's going to rain all volunteers will be notified of any changes in advance so sign up today using the my impact app you can find the link at bestparksever.com And finally, I want to mention that Sunday, October 23rd, Cycluvia is back for the last event of the year on Bardstown Road from 2 to 6 p.m. Cycluvia returns to Bardstown Road for the last event of the year. Louisville's popular Open Streets event will take place on Sunday from 2 to 6. Bardstown Road will be closed to cars between Grinstead Drive and Douglas Boulevard. It's a nice, long, linear park with a facilitated crossing in Eastern Parkway. Cycluvia is your opportunity to experience Louisville as you never have before by walking, cycling, skateboarding, or simply dancing in the streets. Streets uh, account for a massive amount of public land in all cities. Cycluvia repurposes these public spaces by temporarily replacing traditional cars with pedestrians and bikes. Streets become paved parks where people of all ages, abilities, and socioeconomic backgrounds can come together to improve their mental, physical, and emotional health. More information about the event is at louisvilleky.gov, but just come on out to Bardstown Road between Grinstead Drive and Douglas Boulevard on Sunday from 2 to 6. And that's all the time we have for today here on Sustainability Now. Thanks so much for tuning in. I look forward to being back in your ears again in one week's time, my friends. Be well.